Okay, we're podcasting. Okay. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Cold Pizza Party Podcast. My name is Lubitsa. And I'm Adam. And this is a podcast where we talk about politics and TV. We're both leftists, so our politics are leftist, our tastes in TV are pretty trashy. Yep. And we do not put out podcasts regularly. It's been a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I was saying, I was tweeting maybe one day. We'll do it, you know, twice a month. Yeah. I think that is our goal. That, that's a good goal for yeah. us. Yeah. We were talking maybe on the last episode or the one right before that about Terrace House. Yeah. And the snowboarder was like, you should give 80%. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's really our aim. We're living up to our mom. Yeah. Era. Yeah. Um, yeah. So basically we've been a little busy. We just got back from a little trip to Vancouver and Seattle for my birthday. Mm-hmm. And um, Amelia's birthday. And Amelia's birthday, my cousin, because um, we're three days apart. So it was pretty cool to celebrate our birthdays together for the first time since we were kids. It was nice. Yeah. And it was cool to visit Vancouver. It's a really beautiful city. If you haven't been and have the opportunity to go, I really recommend it. It was, it's a very chill city. Like, even though there's a lot of like skyscrapers and shit, there's a lot of space to just be outside and there's like a dog beach and shit. We were very (laughs) impressed. Uh, and then we went down to Seattle too, which we've, we've been there before, but it was really fun to go again. Not as good as Vancouver. Sorry. Yeah, there's just like less space. I feel like to it's just cool too. be. Yeah, but it's it's more built up. You know, it's more industrial. After being in Vancouver and then going to Seattle, I was surprised how much it reminded me of Houston mm. in Seattle. The, the both mostly because we were coming in on these giant highways and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of divided. Like kind of like Houston has the different wards. There are like different neighborhoods of Seattle that are pretty far apart, really. Yeah. When we've stayed there before, we got Airbnbs that were like kind of central or in their own fairly central neighborhoods and we could walk around a lot, but it's pretty sprawling. I mean, Vancouver had a sprawling area too. I think my cousin lives fairly centrally, uh, so it's pretty easy for us to get around and Mm. we spent a lot of time like walking and stuff, but... um, but I don't know. We had a so great time. the problem time. was our standpoint, our subject position. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we had a great time. But uh, as a result, we did not put out podcast for a while. Mm-hmm. And now we're back. Okay, let's let's do it. We're doing it. Okay. This is it. Uh, so we don't really have a plan of what to talk about. Do you about. want to start with recommendations? That's like what I was going to say. Lately? Yeah. Okay. You want to go first or should I? Uh, I guess. I can go first. Mine yeah, is short. Yeah, you go first. Okay. Okay, uh, I'm going to recommend wearing glitter. (laughs) (laughs) I just bought some glitter. um, It's not sponsored, obviously, because who would sponsor us? But um, (laughs) I bought glitter. It's from a company called Glitter Injections. I'm just going to tell you because I think it's a really good product, basically, if you want to use glitter because it pretty much stays where you put it compared to a lot of other glitter products and basically like I was planning on wearing it for my birthday but then I was like I don't know I'm turning 31 am I too old to be wearing glitter like and I haven't worn glitter in years either I don't know what came over me I just suddenly was like I really need this glitter but then I wore it like a few days later on a random Sunday and I was like so happy I did I just I think sometimes like I don't know it's it's just a nice way to brighten your day so (laughs) I think that Maybe, or maybe my recommendation should be like, wear something that you're afraid to wear, because it turned out 
to be a really, really nice okay. experience. And I plan on incorporating glitter into my life more. Nice. I forgot to mention we're recording this with the windows open. Yeah. And we use kind of like a field recorder mic, so there might be some background noise on this one. Yeah, guys, it's or, like the middle of the summer as far as Texas yeah, is concerned. It's, it's like already us. 96 degrees yeah, most days. Yeah, we just have to have the windows open. Yeah, so. we can't. Really. I might have to not compress this episode. We might be a little quieter. Okay. Because it'll just bring all that Don't worry, I'll be out. loud no matter what. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Should I recommend something? <clears throat> yeah. Well, if, should I recommend... I've been reading a lot of Walter Ben Michaels. I could recommend... You can get the like short 25-page... What's it called? The Shape of the Signifier. If you get on ARG. And if you don't have an ARG account, let me know. You should have one. It's cool. You can download a lot of like academic books and philosophy, yeah. sociology, whatever. It's good. It's about identity. But I also want to recommend an anime. <laughs> What's it called? It's like Sora Yori Mo Toi Basho, which is, um, I don't know, just Google the Antarctica anime. It's like a new one from last season. And that title means something like the place at the end of the world or something like that. And it's about just some young girls who uh, don't know what to do with their life. So they go to Antarctica, sort of. Like the main character is the typical sort of protagonist that like, isn't that good at school, doesn't have that many friends, isn't pop particularly popular, isn't particularly unpopular, and she doesn't really know like what her identity is or what she wants. And then she meets this girl whose dream is to go to Antarctica. So then she, basically they make some two other new friends and they all go to Antarctica. And the yeah, animation is like, this. yeah, the animation is great. It's from Madhouse, who always typically do great work. And yeah. it's nice. It's like, it's like just really good. Also kind of relaxing. Yeah, well, we really went with recommendations in our very separate spheres. (laughs) (laughs) Neither one of us can, like, comment on the other one's recommendation. (laughs) (laughs) We were joking earlier because you were telling me, like, oh, yeah, yeah, you heard that on Cumbtown. And I was like, I don't listen to Cumbtown as much as you do. I was like, when I'm in the car by myself, I'm playing, like, new books and intellectual history or something kind of boring. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. You're by yourself, like... Trying not to... No, I'm at the gym listening to Cumbtown laughing at, like, haha, they worked in a way to say, suck my dick into an 80s song. Like, You're always like, I'm I'm hoping nobody asks me what I'm laughing at. Yeah. Because then I have to say, Cumbtown. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely the gym bro of our podcast. I think I've said it before, but I'll I'll say it again. We have a very uh, inverse relationship in that way. Yeah, yeah. We're not exactly gender bendy, but we're... A bit less strict gender rules yeah. than normal people, I think. Yeah, like, for sure. Yeah, I, I was just talking sure. about maybe I want to leave my hair long because I appreciate the bit of feminine energy yeah. that comes with that. Yeah, I like your hair long, obviously. Yeah. Is that I a mean, good idea? You had it long when I first spotted you. Yeah. Well, the problem is I get, like, two haircuts every three years, so. I mean, same, honestly. Like, my hair yeah. is crazy long, too. I think it'd be cool to try a pixie cut, but I'm always really nervous about it. I mm. feel like it's going to... Actually, I know it won't take forever to grow because my hair grows really fast, but it's just one of those things where I feel like even, like, really attractive people, sometimes if you get kind of the wrong pixie cut, can, like, Mm kind of fuck you up, so I don't know. Everybody does it at some point in their life. You think so? Maybe I'll just go full shaved head. I'm fine with that. (laughs) I mean, honestly, this weather is really inspiring. You should go full shaved head and then get, like, a head tattoo. Oh, yeah. Just be one of those people. Yeah, I like that. Oh, what would I get as a... Maybe like an octopus, like enveloping Whoa. the back of my head. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you should get a cold pizza, obviously. Oh, yes. <laughs> Just an entire pizza pie. <laughs> <laughs>
Lubitsa's pizza on the back of her head. <laughs> that, that'll work. I like yeah. that. Cool. Yeah, so, so we're going into this episode with no real plan. At all. I mean, we normally have very little plan, but we have less. We just felt like we should put something out, and, you know, we spend a lot of time talking to each other, so I know, we yeah. should be able to talk we're about like, something. We are like, talking for an hour today about identity and stuff. Yeah. Not that we should rehash that. It's just okay. like... I also don't think that we could have just recorded it. Yeah, it was... That's a problem we're making this podcast, is, like, we live our lives together, we spend all day talking, and then we sit down to record, and it's like... We already talked about everything. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And we don't want to, like, yeah, rehash something, because I think that would feel kind of fake. Yeah. I don't think it would sound as good. Well, I have an idea of what we could talk about. Okay. Oh, we should look up the names and stuff, though. Of what? Uh, Like, that Netflix house show, or you know the names. The net, we could talk about the Netflix house show. Oh. There's the other show on Netflix about the, it's, about the lords who have to like rent out their castles and manors. That one's and stuff. called Weekend Aristocrats. Okay. Uh, and I what's think the, the Netflix show about the houses is like the most extraordinary homes in the world or something like that. Yeah. And then there's the other reality show about Longleat, which is another oh, God, what was Lords it's, of the ha- Manor. It's something that long, change out. comes to Longleat. It's something like that. Yeah. Well, that's probably enough of a title for people to figure it out if they're interested. Yeah. Just like search Longleat doc or something and you'll find it. Yeah. I thought this could be like a spiritual successor to our fashion episode okay. where the theme was kind of, we live in this extremely hierarchical world where culture cannot be like extricated from inequality and how do you deal with that as like a leftist and the answer is to just steal culture from the rich basically like like yeah. they like the old socialists wanted to do and yeah the world's most extraordinary home sorry okay and uh what am i what's that book i'm reading by um eliza featherstone oh yeah about, about um focus, about groups. focus groups she found out that there's like a few originators of focus groups and like two of the three were socialists, one from Vienna. And when he was in Vienna, the socialists there wanted to do like socialism in one city. Um, okay. And because, you know, it's hard to take power over a whole sure. country or whatever. And, and in America, people were doing that in the, but in the same era, like the 1890s through the ne- early 1900s. Like there's a socialist mayor of like Minneapolis or something right, like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. I've heard about stuff like this that. was like a set, like a kind of worldwide trend to just elect socialists and try to set things up locally like that but anyway when they were really obsessed with like sort of a moralizing approach towards the little lower classes mm-hmm. where like they tried to discourage the them yeah okay. they tried to discourage because the socialists were really upper class even course, though they wanted to almost always i know yeah <laughs> i feel like everywhere everywhere that it comes everywhere that it happens i feel like communists often. are more often working class working class in the well no that's not true either like even in in Cambodia and Vietnam, you know, Ho Chi Minh studied in Paris, you yeah. know, um, and, uh, yeah. Well, that's probably why communists were, like, was study the abroad best kids. socialist country, because Tito was, like, a waiter before, and Oh, organizer. my God. I was on Wikipedia looking at his personal history. It's so cool. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. We should do an episode about that. Yeah, I've, I've thought about maybe doing an episode about the like, Yugoslavia one. He was, like, bumming around Eastern Europe, taking odd jobs, and, like, sleeping around, and riding trains and stuff. And then he, like, took, jo- uh, like, a wait- waiter job or something, or waiter jobs, and, like, mainly so he could organize, spend most yeah. of his time organizing, and then eventually... He got, like, radicalized in prison or something, I think. I forget, maybe. Or maybe he started, and then he went to prison, and he got really yeah. radical. Yeah, I think so. I think that yeah. sounds right. And, 
Yeah, he got like fired and imprisoned from his employer for his like politics and yeah. like the organizing work he was doing. And I've, I think that yeah. really radicalized him more than anything. So I feel like traditionally communists, even in the third world, are like study, especially in the third world, are like study abroad kids. Yeah. The socialists are more like upper class, almost Victorians. You know, mm-hmm. like when, in our episode about the new Victorians, you know, it's really the same era. Yeah. So like, well, I've told you before about Steve Naumov, the guy from. Mm-hmm. Um, Bitola and his brother, who were like the richest people in, came from like the richest family in Bitola and had studied abroad and then came back and wanted to be communists because they thought everyone should have, you know, the same opportunities that we have and Mm -hmm. we should totally redistribute the wealth. Like, why should my family be the only family to have a big house and be able to send their kids abroad and stuff like that and fought for that you know that mm. ideal basically and now there's the cool statue of him in bitola yeah because he was like murdered at 22 yeah. <laughs> yeah. your home city for listeners yeah. who don't know. so but socialists are more like upper class you know new victorians mm. traditionally yeah i guess i don't know if they were socialist or communist actually i guess but they're basically almost. communists the partisans in yeah you know tito's partisans yeah but uh so anyway the upper class viennese were kind of like that and they had the feeling that we got to stop the lower classes from like drinking and cavorting we need mm. to we need to uh get them watching opera and playing sports yeah i hate those to them sports the was like an upper class thing at that time oh yeah yeah, yeah. sport i'm sure it was sport, sport back yeah then. yeah true <laughs> so they wanted to like organize working class people into almost these like society groups too where they would you know kind of indoctrinate them with upper class culture which is like a fucking terrible idea just yeah. tell people that you want to like bring down the government and end, like, forced labor, basically. And people yeah. will be way more into that. Are you kidding me? Like, I'm a Marxist because I'm lazy as fuck. Like, <laughs> I do don't not let, want to don't work. Don't let the right wing hear that. <laughs> no, let them hear it. I'm sure there are lazy people in the right wing, too. People don't want to work. And we yeah. should be forced to work to live. Like, you're a fucking human being. You deserve to live because you exist. Like, mm-hmm. not because of what you can produce. Like, yeah, that's yeah. terrible. David Graeber has a whole new book on his bullshit jobs <laughs> essay. He's been doing some podcast rounds and interviews about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And he yeah, said I, that... I, I listened to that, yeah. He said that when they do surveys, they find that, like, around 34% of people, whether it's in America or Europe, um, at least the English-speaking countries, say that my job is pointless. Yeah, yeah. You know? Like, I contribute nothing to society. And only 50% of people feel that they do. And There's... a lot of the people who feel that they do are actually service jobs because they see the person they're helping, you know? Yeah. They come over and ask, can I help you? Can yeah, I do yeah. something for you? Yeah, they. I mean, he also talked about how even within the people who think that they work, like, in an industry or whatever that's useful, yeah. they feel like they have jobs that are pointless, or sometimes they feel like their job isn't pointless, but, like, the industry that they work for is pointless, totally. thus rendering their job meaningless. That was, that was me when we were in Vermont. I worked at a company whose job was to help doctor's offices get paid by insurance companies, basically. Yeah. And it's like, I felt like I was helping people, and... Because you, you know, were, like, day satisfied. to day, you were making, like, concrete yeah. difference in people's lives. But at the whole time, it's like, this is such bullshit, my god. But, so anyway, like, anyway, I just brought up the Viennese socialists, because it's, like, an interesting dichotomy, like, for leftists. You can't just say, like, working class people have shitty culture and we need to get rid of it and indoctrinate them with upper class culture. But at the same time, like, especially for, like, the Marxist left, we believe in universalism, mm-hmm. pretty much, I think... 
there's I guess some dispute about that, but like it's kind of hard not to accept yeah, that. Yeah, like, and that that means like you can't just shit on rich people things because it's for rich people either. Like yeah, you should be able to see art and steal it from them and use it and enjoy it and yeah, you know, and f- take fashion. Like in our fashion episode, we suggested watching some cool like, fashion shows YouTube, yeah. and going on DHgate and buying some cool knockoffs, yeah. which is what we've been doing lately. Yeah. Or you look I like we Adam have a pair of Gucci slads for his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this will be again along those lines, I think, a little bit. You know. And during that episode, I talked about how, like, in socialist Yugoslavia, like, my mom was telling me that idea was, like, very prevalent and that culture, like, high culture should be available to everyone. Right. So, like, the opera, the theater, stuff like that was essentially subsidized by various, like, let's say, like, the refrigerator factory buys out all the opera tickets this month or this week or whatever mm-hmm. and gives them out to their employees. Next week, it's the firefighters. Next week, it's yeah. the teachers, That's whatever. Cool. And that way, like, you're basically subsidizing, you know, all the people who want to work in theater because they actually have jobs, right? All the studio art majors in America would love it if companies, like, basically subsidize their work. But on the flip side, you also are making that culture available to people who otherwise probably wouldn't have, you know, the opportunity. I mean, they did the same thing, too, with, like, vacations and stuff because vacation is another aspect of culture where it's, like, if you're a lower-class person, you have, like, a staycation or maybe you go to, like, a local lake or swimming hole or something like that. And if you're a rich person, you have, like, legitimate vacations a few times a year where you, like, travel or do whatever. And they did that for people, too. Like, they... I mean, it was, like, within Yugoslavia, but they would get, like, campgrounds and stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, cabins. Well, it was and... sad when we visited now, and you see that those cabins are, like, abandoned. Yeah. Because people don't have the money or time to vacation. Yeah. Because capitalism's so much better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but how do you situate that? Free. How do you situate that against the culture we live in now? Like, this poptimism culture since 2010 or whatever where everybody is supposed to care and have a strong opinion about what drake's doing and shit i don't even know how to answer that it's like you know pop music was supposed to be working class culture but now it's been stolen by like the upper class and now you have think pieces in every like Mm, new yorker issue and everything about pop music it's like yeah it's like the opposite it's like the opposite of stealing culture from the rich. Yeah, it's interesting because, yeah, totally, the, like, low culture has come. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's not the opposite. I don't know. No, Maybe but, like, thing, come on. I mean, I, don't know. I think, like, yeah, no one writes think pieces about, like, what is the latest, even the latest Broadway show, like, what yeah. Broadway shows are, like, fairly except like i mean i had... that was supposed to be a, a working class thing probably like a bunch of people on stage emoting strongly and singing i imagine that has like a working class background i don't know i guess to me like theater seems more theater used to be so working class like the there was the riot in new york city in like the 1820s over shakespeare because yeah. it, it was like a it was like a um class war proxy because this uh, this actor from England had come over, and all the rich people were like, oh, this is the best actor. He's going to come to our fancy theater, and uh, we're going to see this like basically upper-class idol from England come to Shakespeare the way it's meant to be. And then the working-class people had their own actor who's the most successful, famous actor in America. And they had set up the Astor Place Theater, and they kept the working-class people out from seeing the English guy. And I guess they also just hated this, like, class dynamic going on, so they just, like, rioted and burned the place down yeah. and everything, like... But as far as, like, modern people are concerned, yeah, theater is, like, a high-class 
thing to do. I know. Basically, like I mean, I know in Columbus, like except for like when the I guess that got stolen by the high class. I guess because like except for when the Nutcracker is playing in Columbus, like you like can get to the theater for fairly cheap because frankly no one's going, you know, or like the symphony or. Oh, I forgot to mention one interesting thing about that is who organized the riots? Tammany Hall. So like that's they started off as like working class gangs. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like part of their origin story. Yeah. So you just dumped a bunch of information. What do you think? I don't know. I'm just asking you. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, our position, I feel maybe this is like the closest thing we have to a project, central project for this podcast, because we talk about trashy culture and leftism. Yeah. Is uh, resolving, like stealing culture from the rich or, you know, defending working class culture. Yeah, well, like, there's literally nothing I love more when I go traveling than to go to art museums. I mean, like, my, especially, like, both of my parents, like, whenever we would go anywhere, like, even to Las Vegas, like, my dad and I went to, like, the Guggenheim exhibit that was there and, like, checked out the art. My dad is usually, like, a little more like, oh, like, it's abstract art, like, I could do this or whatever. He likes to, like, I don't know, he's a jokey guy, you know. But, like, I always remember we went to the Guggenheim in New York, and we were looking at, well, who's the guy that used to date Bjork? Uh, Matthew Barney. Yeah, and he had, like, this exhibit, what was it called? It was so famous. Yeah, uh, Cree Master. Yes. He was part of the Cree Master. Yes, exactly. Yeah. He's one of those artists that isn't quite a performance or quite a visual artist, right? He's yeah. Like a, he was one of the first, like, transmedia. Yeah, artists, yeah, it was like, totally a transmedia experience. Yeah. There was, like, video and paintings, and we were, like, looking around, and it's, like, very graphic. Like, look it up if you haven't seen yeah, it. it's but it's, gory. Like, it's quite gory, yeah. yeah. And so, obviously, it's, like, very distracting, and I remember being, like, a younger person, and, and it takes time to learn how to look at art or, like, how to read art or, I mean, yeah. you can experience it, and you should, even if you don't but know you what you're looking at. you have to have multiple experiences. Yes, You can't exactly. just show up and expect Exactly. So this time. is, I guess, like, one of those experiences that stayed with me because I think it was, like, kind of, like, it taught me a little bit because, so we went, we walked into a room where there were, like, fo- like kind of photos, but also, like, I think they were, like, paintings. I don't know. He had, like, worked them. So they, like, kind of went all around the room and completely surrounded you. And... Don't, isn't at the center, like, a spiral staircase? Yeah, yeah. Part of it? Yeah, so the center of the Guggenheim... But right? this was just in a separate room. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was an aspect of right. uh, the art that he did incorporated use the, that the spiral. The art, yeah, right, yeah, right. and a video where you could see him, like, running around through the spiral and doing all this crazy shit. Okay. So this was just a separate room into. where it's like him and photos of him in this like crazy getup with all this gore and shit coming out of his mouth. And just like each one's like kind of in a different angle. I'm like kind of doing like what you do in an art museum. Where, like I go to one, look at it, look up close, go to the next one, like step by step. And, I'm kind of, and my dad's like in the middle of the room. And then after a while, like we get to get done kind of going through each one, looking at them. I'm like, hmm, okay, this is weird, like, whatever, I don't know, like, this doesn't really speak to me, I don't really get it, and he's like, oh, no, like, look, just stand right here, turn around, he's dancing, like, you know, <laughs> like, if you just, like, look around you, you'll see he's moving, like, he's, this that's is, cool. yeah, th- you know, and, and that's how, like, I don't know, to me, it, like, helped me, like, realize, obviously, that there are a lot of different ways to, like, look at art and experience it, and, that maybe maybe he wasn't even intending for it to be like dancing but when you looked at it suddenly it was like oh wow like he's all around you and there's this movement all around you and these still images that has like been captured and I don't know it was really cool my point is just that like I love art 
I love going to museums, especially when I travel and looking at art. And that's like, I think, uh, and something that you and I have done together. Obviously, like, I couldn't wait for us to go to Georges Pompidou together when we went to Paris. Because I guess it's like a high class thing to do to go look at high art. But at the same time, like, it's like the fashion shows. It's like this totally easy thing to, like, experience that should not be high class. It shouldn't be only for rich people. No, you know what I would say? Like, maybe you're not into going to museums. That's fine. Maybe you're not into fashion. That's fine. But, like, don't just think it's not for you. Yeah, exactly. Because class is not an identity, right? Yeah. They try to make it an identity. That way, like, we're trapped in it. Yeah. But it's not. It's just, it's just, uh, how much money do you have, right? Yeah. Well, and that's what I was gonna say. Like, my dad, who likes to, like, make fun of, I mean, again, he's, he's not, uh, clearly he also takes art seriously, but he likes to, like, be jokey and make fun of art and stuff like that when we're in museums. He doesn't take it, like, too, too seriously, which maybe is a good approach. Even someone who's like that can, like, contribute to, like, your experience of an art museum, get something out of the art museum. Yeah you know, give something to the other people that you're experiencing art with. Like, I don't know. So I I think, like, even if you're someone who thinks, like, abstract art, please, like, it's stupid. I could do that. My four-year-old could do that. You can still, like, get so much out of it if you go experience it, you know? And that's the... You don't have to take it too seriously. That's, like, the worst type of class animosity. Like, we should have class animosity, but not based on an idea of who we are versus who they are, right? Mm. The problem isn't that, like, there are these uh, people with behaviors that we don't like or a culture that we don't like. The problem is that they have all the money, Yeah, and on the flip side, they have all the money, so they get to produce cool shit with that money, right? Like, they have more freedom. That's what money means in America. That's why, like, so many people who are artists have they're yeah. born with money or they're married to somebody with money or the same like, way we talked about fashion designers stella mccartney yeah. victoria beckham these are people that are new fashion designers that are like as famous as old fashion houses why yeah. there are plenty of other new or fashion is it, designers is it vivian westwood who's married to malcolm mclaren yeah yeah you know he made a ton of money yeah so she gets so to be a fashion get, exactly designer, like, and she was there with him from the beginning but like, okay but same with and david beckham kicked the ball really well now his wife gets to be a famous fashion designer you know like <laughs> that's the problem the problem although she was posh spice to be fair i don't want right. to take anything away from that's Victoria the problem beckham. and that affects the method of production which affects the product yeah but that doesn't mean the entire enterprise should be burned down yeah you know? exactly that's what yeah. i'm saying like money is freedom so if you have a lot of money just like think about in the olden days like even like da vinci or whoever needed patronage right like yeah. money gives you freedom to basically decide like what gets produced and that's fucked up we should definitely fight against that yeah but, but... we can't deny the fact that cool shit is gonna get produced by people who have a lot of money because they yeah. can explore their whims i feel basically. like what's crazy is in some ways that patronage system was less classist like, in the end, it was classes because you're just making art for rich people, and they uh, hoard the art. Mainly the church. They didn't have museums back then. It was mainly the church, ultimately. Yeah. It got but, so classist the... that basically you needed an institution instead yeah. of just lords. And I'm not, I'm not totally up on the history, but obviously they had an apprenticeship program where, you know, a famous painter didn't do all that by himself, you know? Titian yeah. didn't do all that painting by himself or whatever. Right, right. He had, like, a whole crew of younger artists well, who worked like with Jeffrey him. Just like Jeffrey or whoever, you know? Yeah, I guess that's true. But, like, well, but now if you want to... Workshop of elves to... Yeah, I don't know, anyway. I would just mean Sorry. it was maybe less classist because, like, there was a clear, like, entry into it mm. and a, a way to get paid doing it. But now, like, you don't get money from it, so you have to be rich to do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
you have to have some other source of income. Yeah, there's a really great uh, article in the LA Review of Books um, talking about basically like what it takes to be able to like make art and get like successful at it, and it's basically like money. It's like about the Whitney Biennial, wasn't that what it was about? Where it was like this person was like really excited to be featured in it, but then like realized, oh, I'm not getting paid, and then they thought maybe they just did a bad job negotiating, but then they eventually realized like no one else is getting paid either, and it's just like (laughs) nobody talks about it. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. Or now you can have like a major. You can just get really popular on Instagram, and then you can be an artist. There are a few people who have literally done that. Oh yeah. Yeah, and obviously that's like what Ruby Card did. Yeah. But with books. But anyway, so that brings us to the Netflix show. What's okay. it called? World's Most Extraordinary Homes. World's Most Extraordinary Homes. Yeah. So we were watching it when we were... In Colorado. In Colorado. We were binge watching it. Obviously, we were smoking. Basically, sitting there, kind of transfixed by the visual spectacle of these beautiful homes. Yeah. That's kind of why we picked it, because we knew it was going to like look pretty. Yeah. But also, like, I was disturbed by the hosts. Is oh, that yeah? just me? I heard somebody talking about this show, maybe on a podcast, and they're like, oh, I love the hosts. They have such... uh, yeah, I know. I was like, <laughs> I was like oh, yeah. What? Yeah. Ugh. They're the worst hosts I've well, ever I seen Well, I mean, on basically, like one of them is a rich bitch who, yeah. like, loves architecture, because, again, she has freedom. She's like an actress so she's... or something in England. No. Are you sure? I think she was just a really rich woman who okay. loves... I think that's pretty much how they introduced her. That's definitely how they introduced her. That's definitely her role, but I think her money comes from fame. Maybe. But anyway. anyway, and the other guy's like an architect or something. Yeah, something for like rich bitches. Basically. And they seem to have just met before they walk in the door to the. No, first no, house. no, no. That's not true. Only oh, that's true. That. It just they've felt worked that way to together. Me. No, they're on the wherever I heard people talking about, they're like, oh, they have such chemistry. They have they no did not chemistry. Have chemistry. It was very like stunted. But it on was. the flip side, they they know each other. They yeah, he worked on other. her home. Or yeah, something. but it's like very clear to me that there wasn't chemistry because the dynamic felt so clear. Like it felt so clear, mm. like he that he's worked for her before, mm. and therefore he always kind of like lets her say her thing even though she doesn't know shit about architecture except that she's rich and she likes buying shit yeah and then he comes in with like the actual facts you know (laughs) the worst part is that he never like corrects her or anything she's walking around these homes and coming into each new room like she's sexually aroused yeah yeah it was really to me vulgar and and disgusting i will say not that there's anything wrong with being sexual but to be so impressed basically by wealth yeah offensive yeah yeah and then i guess what i found most offensive was the when they would talk to the owners of the homes and they would talk about like their struggles in building the home we had to bring in every piece of lumber by a helicopter because we decided to carve our house into like the side of a mountain off a cliff (laughs) looking onto the ocean you know and it's like yeah it's the only house like this in the world and i guess (laughs) if i had one piece of advice for people it would be don't be afraid to be different. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, motherfucker, I want a different house too. I want a house on the side of a cliff overlooking the ocean or in the like mountains of Peru in a forest secluded somewhere. But guess what? Like, it fucking costs a fuck ton of money. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so at the same time... That's what I found most. So we're longer. watching this show and I don't know if I've ever been more offended by wealth in a like reality show. Mm. Um, even though... You know, we've seen Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and shit. Yeah. This, because the host's Well, this was job, just such a celebration. I know. Well. They're just walking around slack-jawed and, like, twitching with excitement about 
um, the level of wealth that's deposited yeah. in these homes. Like at the same time, the homes are beautiful. They are really beautiful. They're cool. Yeah, and there's a if lot of cool Netflix, aspects. I would to them. recommend watching. Like, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. So you know the question, and it's is, really cool to see. Like it is cool to be different. It is cool mm-hmm. to see homes that are doing completely different things. Like with kitchens or windows yeah. or the way one time we watched a show about like homes in New Zealand and they had really beautiful homes on there too but they like one of the families wanted to do like a traditional Maori house yeah even though it's like also gonna be like modern architecture but like the organization of the house was like Maori so like or inspired by I don't know yeah. so like the Very idea inspired by yeah so the idea was sort of like there's kind of like a main house where like the family hangs out yeah it turns out about supposedly in like more traditional maori dwellings you have a central area and then and then there are like other little little outposts yeah like little houses yeah like little outposts so like the teenagers had a little house to themselves and the parents had a little house to themselves i just thought it was a really great way to organize a house in just a different kind of yeah way than we're used to obviously certainly here and, th- and and it was easy to imagine how a family's life would, like, flow better in a house like that, that's organized that way, than a house where maybe, like, the parents' bedroom is in the back of the house, but then the kids' bedrooms are, like, off the hall, yeah, right yeah. next to it, and stuff like that. Like, I don't know. It was, like, it was really cool. And I don't think those people were as vulgarly wealthy. They were, like, No, maybe, they were pretty wealthy. It was maybe a pretty top, big house. I thought maybe they were, like, you know, top five percenters instead of Whatever. Okay, but still pretty fucking wealthy but i'm just saying so like that's just something that stuck with me from a different fancy house show that we've watched but it's like watching homes like this yeah you are checking out houses like this whatever yeah you get like really cool ideas of like what a house can mean and what a house can be like that's really unique than people that have financial constraints that force you to essentially take you know a prefab home or maybe you hire an architect but most people who are building new homes tend to just pick one of like four plans that the developer has and go with it you know? i guess what i would say is that uh, the people who built these world's most extraordinary homes they actually care about architecture whereas when you see rich people on beverly hills or new jersey that's true you know you see lisa they Vanderpump's care about home. showing their wealth we it's need a giant entrance we need columns in the house we need swans and a swans and a moat a giant staircase yeah i want it to be as big as possible totally we need marble it has to have marble Everything has to have a lot of glass yeah gold and silver oh that reminds me though okay here's though um a caution about or not caution i don't know an interesting thing about stealing culture from the rich so obviously we do do that a fair amount in our society like um i think a really famous example is like golden retrievers and Mm. labs were like really popular in the 80s with rich people or names are a good example names are the other great example that also popped into my mind i just had to pick one you know Mm -hmm. but uh um, and then obviously like 20 years down the line, every suburban home in America had a fucking golden retriever, yeah. yellow lab. So similar or, and then yeah, it's like Tiffany and then it becomes a trash name or whatever. Yeah. And Donald Trump is like behind the curve. Of course, uh, yeah, yeah. He's not culturally, you know, an upper class person. Really. Yeah. One of the other things I just recently like watched a video about this is so like granite countertops because we're talking about homes um, are like really big. Right. And like if you watch like HGTV Everybody wants granite countertops. It's huge. Everybody loves a granite countertop. And it's like, well, how did this happen? How did granite countertops come to dominate the ideal American family kitchen counter? Mm -hmm. 
Because, like, in the 50s, laminate was used everywhere. Oh, wow. Then, it's like the worst thing you could have, laminate. The most low-class thing you could have. I guess. Although it's actually coming back a little bit. But it was, like, fine. It was, like, durable, cheap to replace. Like, But rich people started sourcing granite from, like, mines in Italy. Oh. And it was this, like, really exclusive thing to have, like, a countertop that was, like, ooh, pretty and stone and it has yeah. different that's markings. Like a, one solid piece. Yeah. Of, that's the thing. You need yeah. one giant rock yeah. shipped into your kitchen. Yeah, and to get it sourced and shipped yeah. and, and like, pre-internet. Like, you have to, like, find dealers and, all yeah. ki- you know, you have to go through a lot of shit. It was, like, a really big deal. And when you'd walk into, like, really, really rich people's homes in the 60s through the 80s, it was, like, granite countertops were, like, oh, dang. Like, this is a sign of class. And then, over time, a few things happened. Like, uh, we started to find that we could source granite in other places that were, like, cheaper, or even just to, like, fly in, or, like, um, in South America and stuff like that. It just became cheaper to ship, and there was, since there was more competition, the price went down. And also, there was a lot more credit, like, especially, like, in the early 2000s. That's when, like, granite really blew up for, like, more mm. middle-class people. So when people got, like, credit to renovate their kitchen or buy a new house or whatever, they could, like, afford to get this like fancier countertop for a while while we had that bubble basically like all these things actually like made it so that granite countertops now are even in like apartments that like just Mm -hmm. like regular people rent and stuff like that but it went to be clear granite is not like a superior product like it cracks it can get marks it's not like the easiest necessarily to maintain it must take so much unnecessary effort though to extract just a piece of rock big enough from wherever you're mining it and shipping it intact across the oceans or whatever to to your home that must take a lot of unnecessary effort like that's probably why you need credit to do it yeah i mean it's still like expensive but like now like like when we went to visit my cousin i mean i don't know how much their apartment costs whatever no 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 but i'm just saying like they're renting their apartment and even in like just regular one bedroom mm-hmm. apartments or two bedroom or it's whatever, there. it's there. Like there's yeah. granite because that's supposed to look nice now, basically. It, it just signifies like, oh, this is a nice place, you yeah. know? Because it's but something it, rich people were doing. Yeah, but it's like really meaningless now yeah. almost. Like it, it doesn't really matter because anyone can get granite now. You I just go that's... to Lowe's and get granite now. Yeah. I guess that's really different from what we're talking about too because we're, we're talking about um, having the privilege to participate in culture art high class culture mm. versus this is just an example of consumerism yeah like status seeking just buying something ultimately to signify you know wealth although i don't think that's why people do it it's just that's so ingrained in our culture personally i want like a concrete slab <laughs> for my just Probably like laminate really bad for oh no no if you maybe. yeah yeah like some kind of clear gloss so that it's smooth because it'd be really hard to clean obviously otherwise yeah. but otherwise concrete man it's cheap it's durable mm-hmm. and it looks cool as hell oh and it stays cool in the like the summer and stuff I like that i feel like that's why the whole brutalist thing didn't take off though is because it's like this it doesn't look like something a rich person well, maybe would that's in. why i like it is yeah. cause I come I from like, a, a brutalist <laughs> yeah i feel like when yeah macedonia skopje was like this haven for brutalist architecture yeah. because they had a an massive earthquake, earthquake in right. the 60s yeah it had to be rebuilt and they they had a Japanese architect. Yeah, what's his name? Ken, uh, I, he's I like know, famous for people who know architecture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was like one of the pioneers of brutalism or something like that. And he didn't do it by himself. He 
did a plan with a bunch of other Eastern European guys. And yeah, if you have a chance, cool. look up like brutalist plan for Skopje or something like that. S K O P J E. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's really cool. Like if they had like fully fully done it, it would have been like a crazy yeah. future city. Like there's really cool buildings still. Yeah, yeah, yeah there are a lot still of some cool done. ones, but there um, could have been a lot more. Would yeah. Awesome. And then the conservative government was putting up just plaster over it mm-hmm. to look neoclassical because they're conservative. <laughs> And when we were there, like... Well, a return to the past or a look to the future, you know? I yeah. Mean... You're walking around in a building that clearly they did this to because they will have columns. Yeah. But it's not a column. Yeah. It's just half of a column plastered onto the side of a building that yeah. doesn't even touch the ground. Yeah. Or if you've ever checked out um, McMansion Hell, she'll, like, point out, like, houses that have columns, but the columns don't make sense because they could never, like, hold the weight of mm. the roof. Yeah. There was a lot of shit like that, too, where it's like, oh, God, these columns look hideous and weird and out of place because yeah. obviously they're fake because they could never hold up a roof this size. I can't you know? believe how ugly they made that poor city. Yeah. It was nuts. Walking yeah, through, really like, sad. the old part of town with that ancient bridge, and they've put all this gaudy, cheap-ass-looking statuary just randomly. Yeah. Just <laughs> randomly yeah. around. We were walking down an alley, and there's, like, a gold copy of the wall street bowl yeah just in this little alley yeah like i guess it was by like a financial center building no or whatever. It, wasn't. it was like by where we were staying yeah. it's just random like things aren't even aligned on a line yeah they're just thrown somewhere yeah like... yeah well because it's, it was mainly about like laundering money basically yeah yeah it's not really about the architecture it was really. about was it about like giving money to my friend from the government who runs a, I'm from the government. I'm giving money yeah. to my friend who runs a construction company. He's giving a lot of it back to me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So do it as cheaply as possible so we can yeah. collect the money. Yeah, because yeah. who cares? This isn't about the thing that we're making. It's yeah. about the money. And that's how like the second or third poorest country in Europe, their leaders ended up buying villas in Paris and shit. The and poorest country in the Balkans with the richest government. Yeah. In the in the Balkans or in Europe? I think Jeez. maybe in Europe. Because they stole the national wealth. If you're as, if you're an individual that's as rich as a nation, you, suddenly you're the richest person in Europe, you know? It's a good deal if you can get it. So anyway, back to uh, the world's most extraordinary homes. Although that's a good example of abandoning the ideal of socialism. Like, a country where, you know, people... It was, it was sort of uh, based on a cooperative ownership of the means of production, right? So yeah. if you worked in the factory, you owned the factory. Yeah. But they still had a market economy, so it was market socialism. Yeah. So it was all about sharing the profit and sharing the burdens, and people, we want everybody to have enough time to go on vacation and everything. Oh, we should recommend, we should have recommended the travel video we saw from the 80s. Oh my god, where the, the lady went to Yugoslavia. travel video I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. It was nuts. Every single, like every five minutes or every time she goes to a different part of Yugoslavia, she's like, the men are beautiful here. Yeah. Oh, this place is known for having gorgeous people. <laughs> but the other main theme is that she's constantly astounded that like... They're not peasants in like a yeah. gray world, yeah. basically. In this communist country. Yeah. And that they uh, all have enough time to yeah. go on vacation and hang out and yeah, travel Yeah, they show a lot of asses in bikinis because yeah. they're like, look, these people are just like us. They love to have, like, thongs on as yeah. opposed to, like, 
you know, the drab, like, Soviet, like, peasants in gray, yeah. you know, rags kind like, of vibe. They're just like <laughs> us, except they also have free time yeah. to enjoy their lives. Yeah, yeah. She it, she talks to a guy that had grown up in California mm-hmm. and moved back after his parents got divorced because he was like, I just want to have free time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So that is a good symbol going from that to this plunder economy, right? Yeah. Because that's the only way you can participate in a society based on inequality mm. is by plundering, yeah. right? How else are you going to get one of the world's most extraordinary homes? Yeah, right? totally. I think it's clear what we're saying is like, this show was gross, it was vulgar, and it was also beautiful. full of beautiful yeah, <laughs> yeah, homes and beautiful art because yeah. this wasn't just about showing giant homes in like the most pristine landscapes, although it was a little bit of that. It was really about... So like the hosts suck, but the one who is an architect... Yeah. Sometimes he'd walk around and talk about the architecture of the building, it, and it was really interesting. Yeah, talk yeah. about, like, why the window's placed there and how the light will move throughout the day mm-hmm. and stuff yeah. like that. That was really interesting. And, yeah, it just made you realize, like, man, actually, yeah. like, architecture is, like, really fucking cool. Yeah, but yeah. And homes can be really fucking cool. But, again, we have financial restraints, so we'll never have a home where it's planned that well because we don't have the money to have some guy think about which way the sun is going to come mm-hmm. And like and move around. In a the lot day. of the homes were built to blend into with, to the landscape yeah. and work with the land. Yeah, it's like that shouldn't be something that's only for rich people. Totally, no, that would be like also that would Make probably be sense. very good for like climate change stuff. Like if yeah. we had more homes that weren't good. trying to like impose and dominate on the land, but yeah. like work with what's there. It's just good for life. Even. Yeah, forget climate change. It's just good for your living. Yeah, if totally. you're not working against the environment yeah. that you live in. Well, when we were in Vancouver, yeah. they were telling us about Vancouver this idea of building in Vancouver where basically like when you look even though there's skyscrapers they kind of like blend in because they're like built in these like kind of like green blue beigey colors and they're like reflective and so you have like the lake which is like very reflective and then you have obviously the sky which is blue and mountains and so I think I mean it's not the same exact thing but it's that idea of like working with and I think that might be part of the reason we thought Vancouver was prettier than Seattle was because it wasn't trying to fight the environment. Yeah. And obviously they have zoning unlike Texas. Yeah. yeah. So like everything has to work for the place that it's put and they have better restrictions on working with along with the environment and stuff. Um, So anyway, I think it's clear what we're saying about the show is like, even though it's gross and ugly, there's still this beautiful aspect. The question is how do you liberate that? From this yeah, clearly system. these shouldn't be private homes, right? Like, well, I, what I was thinking is it could be if the people who, like, maybe you're an architect or you're a construction person or you're a glass maker, and you get together with other people who can do the things that you need for the rest of the house, and mm. you all build each other houses. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. yeah, not then not everybody can have one. You have to have the right job, I guess, but. Yeah, or to, yeah, either, like, democratize it so more people can experience that. Like, why can't we take as much thought and care for everyone's home? Also, it's not like there's, like, a shortage of people. Like, I mean, I think most architects would love to have a project where they get Mm -hmm. to, like, work through all those details, but they also have financial constraints, you know, and they also need to, like, make money, and that means making commercial homes that anyone will like, not homes specific to a family that, you know, so... Wouldn't it be great, maybe kind of like the theater, if we could, like, somehow subsidize or... I mean, obviously, the answer is, like, anarcho-socialism, because then you could... To- or 
communism or whatever, because then you could like not be constrained by these financial things and do the work that you love mm-hmm. yeah. just to do it. But my point is just, wouldn't it be great if like, this would be something that like, yeah, it's like we take care to build every home according to the needs of a family yeah. or according to the needs of the environment and stuff like that versus just like, okay, here's a thing we think is pretty boring. Just like when you're about to sell your house and they're like, okay, paint all the walls beige or white or something because we don't want anyone to be offended. We want anyone to want it, which is like, well, then you're going to make it as ugly as possible. Like how we've been talking about nose jobs and how like whenever we see people that get a nose job, it's like, God damn it, you ruined your face. Like (laughs) (laughs) now you have such a common face. It's not interesting anymore. Mm -hmm. Like you took all the visual interest and, and uniqueness out of your you know mm-hmm. face so, and it's kind of the same thing we do i think i guess we have the same impulse obviously with like homes or anything commercial because it's like okay well and it's kind of reason. funny because sorry but it's just kind of funny this happens so often where i notice like something that used to be used to like scaremonger against communism now it's like well that's actually a feature of capitalism like that like okay everybody lives in the same house like basically you <laughs> know what true. i mean yeah yeah and it's like that's usually something that's like oh in communism they'll just you know assign you to a house and you'll have to live there and everybody's house is going to look the same. And it's like, well, the market does the same thing. Like, we just mm-hmm. decide, okay, well, this is what sells and now everybody has to have a house that has the same, you know, crown molding and white walls and, I don't know, hardwood floors and whatever else mm-hmm. that we've decided, granite countertops, that we've decided are, like, coveted things that anyone would want. And, yeah, every house looks the same now. That's why That's an Extraordinary true. Homes show is, like, whoa, cool, because <laughs> it's like, hey, there's a completely different way that homes can be, yeah, actually. Yeah. And the the reason it's interesting is because they care about the art of it. They care about the architecture. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just about producing a, a home commodity. that someone else can yeah. resell. Yeah. I mean, half the reason you're saying people... Oh, make paint it beige, you know, don't build anything crazy because people might not like it. Yeah. Because you're thinking, oh, it might be hard to sell it if I do that. Because the person coming to buy it has to think, oh, it might be hard for me to sell exactly. it if it's like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So it's the uh, the old Keynes quote, like, the economy is like a beauty contest yes. where you're betting on who people are going to bet is the most beautiful woman. Yeah. It doesn't matter yeah. who the most beautiful woman in the beauty contest actually is. It yeah. matters what you think everyone, who you think everyone else will think. Yeah. I, that's what I always said about Bernie. I was always like, it, the obstacle to Bernie getting elected isn't that he's a mm, socialist. The obstacle yeah. is that everyone thinks that everyone else is scared to vote for a socialist, yeah, you know, and everyone wants to be like smart and, you know, predict that, oh, well, we know that a socialist can't get elected. And mm-hmm. since we know that a socialist can't get elected, we know everyone else knows that a socialist can't get elected. So a socialist doesn't get elected. Yeah. <laughs> I think another possible answer to, you know, how can everybody live in the world's most extraordinary home is like, you know, to rethink the way we live, like, in single-family dwellings. Yes, I agree. Shouldn't. Probably shouldn't do that at all. I... We should live in a more communal structure. Yes, I agree. People have throughout history. It's very weird that we, starting in, you know, the 20th century, we're like, we each need our individual house. Yeah, well, like, okay, this is my idea for beginning communal living, which is, like, we live in a neighborhood. It's a small neighborhood. Why can't we have a house in that neighborhood or just like a room with a roof, like a kitchen with a roof that is just a community kitchen? And if you want to, you can be part of the kitchen co-op and sometimes you cook, sometimes 
other families come in and cook. But you can like basically whatever you're volunteer. I don't know. You can work it out. But basically that way you cook like once a week, but you have dinner for the whole week mm. done. Yeah. Because you and I are two people who have no kids and very little responsibility really, mm-hmm. and yet we cook for ourselves every day. And it takes forever, know, even the awful. quickest meals. By the time you get home, by the time sometimes you know you have to do dishes or something else yeah. before or clean something before you're ready to get started. And then we have to chop shit up and then we cook it and then da da da. By the time we're done, it's been like hours. Even when we're cooking pretty quickly, like we've lost a major chunk of the yeah. evening just on that. And it's like, and then you have to do dishes afterward. Like mm-hmm. that's another. It's like. There goes the night, you know, and I just can't believe that we we are so set on everybody in their own little box that we can't come together and just be like, hey, everybody's cooking dinner every fucking day. Also, it'd be healthier because why don't people cook dinner every single day? Why do they go get fast food? Well, that is you need some quick food. You don't want to spend the whole evening. Well, going you are going out to a communal kitchen when you go out to a restaurant. It's just private. Yeah, it's just um private and specialized yeah so like well now you're cooking every day for everybody like yeah. that's your whole job you don't get to do something else yes. that's all you get to do instead of it, yeah. see and, and marks yeah. you should you know get to fish in the morning hunt in the afternoon and philosophize in the evening right you should get to do the things you want i mean you should get some shit done so you can eat mm-hmm. or whatever but then you should yeah. be able to do what you want you should get to alternate and vary yeah and if we organized our lives a little better even like that is that doesn't mean full socialism having a a kitchen co-op in your neighborhood it just means socialized dinner (laughs) and you and i are loners we're horrible at socializing we don't you know we have trouble even bringing ourselves to do it let alone you know feeling comfortable doing it yeah and we still think this would be a better way to go for yeah for sure also yeah. our lonerism is somewhat learned we weren't true. loners in college when we That's lived true. near people we were yeah. loners because over time we've spent less and less time around like right. friends and stuff and that yeah. just makes you more of a loner and we've moved so many times <laughs> yeah. it's like and you have to move like for jobs and shit in this yeah. country like i think it's kind of hard not to at least when you're younger move around a fair yeah. amount if you're and trying. it's so hard when you do to know like what to do to have a sense of community like you just mm-hmm. airdrop yourself in this brand new place and start going to work every day yeah you know and you don't want to hang out with the same people that you work with yeah. i mean not like all the time you like, know usually yeah, yeah. unless and especially when it's like forced fun that's the word yeah so it's hard we've been talking for almost an hour okay should we talk about long stuff or should we oh I mean, we could talk about the weekend aristocrats at Longleat really quickly. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it needs that much explaining, really. So there's two shows. That basically cover the same concept. What's the one on Netflix called? Weekend aristocrats. Yeah, they cover the same concept, but from a very different perspective, which is like, so weekend aristocrats and the one about Longleat. Yeah. If you want to look it up. I think it's called Change Comes to Longleat. I'm like 80% sure. It's spelled L-O-N-G. L-E-A-T. Oh, oh, I thought it was E-E. All right. You can Google it yourself. You'll find it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or if you want a link, if you're interested, let us know. We'll send you a, a illegal link to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so these are shows. Apparently, in England, there are all these lords and ladies who have their fancy manners that require staff to upkeep them. In Longleat, they are at the center of like a feudal town where they are... They're basically the landlords for everyone for, in the town. Yeah, and there's like 10 to 20 families that live there. Yeah, so like if something property, breaks basically. or whatever, like just like you're a landlord, except these people live in a town, yeah. but 
it'd be like if you called the mayor of your town when your plumbing broke or something, yeah. you know? And it turns out it's not enough to just own this expensive, fancy place that's huge because it costs so much money just to keep it I think running. In Weekend Aristocrats, the guy said the electricity bill is like 40000 a year. Was it a year? I think so. Was it a month? It might have been. It really might have been a month. Yeah, it might have been a month. It was very expensive, yeah. Yeah, and he did not have the biggest place at all. Like, on Weekend Aristocrats, they talked to three, four, five different people who are in this situation. Yeah. Um, So then they have to come up with, like, all these money-making schemes to make the house make money. Yeah, because basically... Okay, here's what it is. Basically, in the past, you had, like servants and before that you had like plebs and shit like that yeah, yeah. that you basically owned these yeah, people yeah. you didn't have to pay them a fair wage you no. didn't have to consider their like health care and shit like that mm-hmm. so it was very easy for a lord of a manor to be rich and have a mega house and collect the rent from the people that yeah. live on his and property live in this mega house and and that was enough but now since you actually have to pay people some wage yeah you know and you have to Think about healthcare and stuff and benefits. People expect some kind of benefits package when they take on a job, usually. Now, they can't afford, because no one can. Basically, Even these rich people who live here can't afford. Yeah, basically, like, without plundering, you cannot afford to live like a lord. Yes, yes. Oh, and it's certainly it not out. in a house of yeah. a lord. So these people have inherited these yeah. homes that their ancestors lived in, and now they have to open it but up because to the lives, paying life public. Life has changed. Yeah, yeah. They have to open it up to people who pay a few hundred bucks to stay there for a weekend. Yeah, or or have a wedding there. Yeah, or, or do a tour of the castle. The guy that's haunted. Yeah, or whatever. this guy uh, in the Netflix show, what's it called? Weekend Aristocrats. Weekend Aristocrats. <laughs> the one, the worst guy in Weekend Aristocrats has a castle. <laughs> And uh, it's where King James was crowned. Yeah. You know, it's uh, like right near the border with yeah, Scotland. Yeah, what is it called? I forget now. It's a pretty famous It's a castle, castle yeah. yeah. But he can't, I mean, it's where King James was crowned. And he can't afford, he's struggling even having, hosting tours and stuff yeah, just to like live. Yeah, he's like still basically spending his money. He's still technically, like, to live there. Like, he's yeah. still losing money. He's just yeah. losing less money. Yeah. The one guy who's kind of successful who complains about the electricity bill, he's a classic entrepreneur. Yeah. He's doing everything he, he, he can to turn like, a buck. Yeah, and he, he made his money in like as like a shipping merchant yeah. or something like that. Like yeah. But yeah, he does yeah, literally everything he can to turn a buck. Yeah. Yeah, he's the classic like character of a businessman yeah. sort of like which is I don't know, that's interesting to me because like it's because not enough it's to just more be more low class. Yeah. Like it feels and, and, more low class to be a hustler. Yeah, he doesn't be seem hustling. high class. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what the guests who show up say. They're like, oh, I thought he'd be so different. Yeah. But he's not. The guy who owns the castle is trying to be friendly, but he's so stuffy and racist, he can't help himself. Yeah. And, and classes. And classes. He's yeah. like, well, it's obvious that the best people rise to yes. the top. And, you know, obviously, like, aristocracy is good because clearly, like, our families did something worthwhile and that's how they that's how we ended up being aristocrats you can't even afford to live in the house they built because they were plundering from the lower classes and he was literally telling the guests that he wouldn't let his children marry somebody from a lower class because they are genetically inferior that's literally what he said the wealth of lords comes from the poverty of peasants i know and And when you don't have the peasants there's no wealth for the lords living through that fallout that's actually a peter kropotkin oh nice yeah he's living through that fallout he lives it every day and he still refuses to see it it's incredible 
And then um, in Longleat, which is the other show, you see the guy who inherited it from his dad. It's crazy. Um, Longleat, they're really trying. They've built... Uh, like a zoo. His grandpa turned it into a zoo. Yeah. They brought safari animals in Lions, in like the 60s tigers, because they were already having trouble paying elephants, their bills. Elephants, yeah. Yeah, so it's a zoo slash manor where you can tour it and In the winter they do there. like a Chinese lantern festival or something. Yeah. They got, like they're doing everything yeah. they can to turn a buck. You can see that tension between him being a like born landed gentry trying to turn into like that entrepreneur type guy. Yeah, yeah, because like, you're supposed to be a man of leisure. As Landon Gentry. Yeah. And And to constantly be hustling. Yeah, that's not... And he's the one who, on the grounds, all these families live. And he has to go there and act like royalty, basically. And he... You can see the pressure because these people probably because they're british and this is their heritage they love that he's like the lord yeah they and he they want him to come down to like their village festivals yeah. and they want to feel cool to hang out with him yeah and shake his but hand he's and like stuff. nervous because he's just socially like not comfortable like yeah. being around that many people that and expect because, something from him and because that role no longer yeah. exists yeah. they just want him to perform it yeah so he has to show up and put on this performance yeah. like i'm an aristocrat Meanwhile, then he's the like going thing. back and having trouble paying his bills for this ridiculous home. Yeah, it was the same thing actually on Weekend Aristocrats where they had these Afghan hounds doing a dog show for like the best Afghan hound in England or whatever. Mm. Oh yeah. And um, they asked, they were like so excited to ask the Lord and Lady if they would present like for the <laughs> best in show or whatever. Yeah. And they're like, okay, well, I guess I'll put on a nice jacket. And they're like, oh, like there's the old ladies who like organize it or are so excited that, and shit. That couple who have that manner are really cool. Yeah, they're, they're the really best cool. probably. And the guy was talking, he has this jacket that looks like, uh, actually he got curtain material. Yeah. And he, it's like the kind of curtain material that has like the fake gold I filigree on it. I think he said it. that he wanted cur- curtains like that for the manor, mm. but then he found out how expensive the fabric oh. was and he was like, oh god, no, we can't afford that. Right. And then he was like, well, it's so nice, I'm just gonna have a jacket made yeah, for myself yeah. out of it. And part of when he was talking about having the jacket made out of it, he was talking about the expectations on him to look a certain way. Yeah. So he knows, like, I should put this jacket on when, like, guests are here because they want to see me like yeah. This. yeah 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 another thing that's really meanwhile they all live in these tiny corners of this giant home like yeah they have kind of yeah, cluttered yeah. kitchens and bedrooms and stuff they live in like a four they to five room apartment, apartment yeah within this massive manor yeah. as like punters you know paying yeah. customers are walking around the rest of it and having tours and dinners and yeah. stuff like it's almost like living at the mall or something yeah another weird thing this doesn't really have anything else to do I think with what we've been talking about except that both in Longley and I think a couple of the barons and baronets I know what you're gonna say (laughs) (laughs) on this show talk about having a ton of like Nazi and like Hitler memorabilia no 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 Hitler paintings Hitler paintings yeah specifically paintings done by Hitler other memorabilia too but yeah they all have Hitler paintings they all have all of their grandparents bought of their grandpas yeah bought a painting painted by Hitler but it All makes sense, I guess, if, you know, you have this guy saying, oh, well, the best people mm-hmm. rise to the top and, like, people are genetically inferior yeah. that are at the bottom, yeah. you know? I mean... The scene in Longley where he's showing it off is so funny. Yeah. It's, like, one of the best scenes Well, because he also, in reality you can TV tell he, like, so wants cool. to die a little because he, like, doesn't... Re- <laughs> he do- obviously does not agree with... Yeah. 
Hitler. He's very uncomfortable having it yeah. up there. Yeah, and but... he, like, puts it, like, in an attic, and he's like, <laughs> oh, God, I don't yeah. know why we have this. Like... I know. Whereas the awful guy with the castle is very proud to show mm-hmm. off his Hitler painting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very proud. But, yeah, the Longleat guy was super sheepish. He's like, he, I think he said, like, I don't really know what to make of this. Yeah, you know? like, yeah. He's like, I hope my grandpa just bought it as, like, a funny novelty. <laughs> <laughs> but mm-hmm. Clearly did not. Probably not, yeah. Yeah. Cool, I think that covers that. Yeah. But... Yeah. So do you think we talked, do you think we made it clear? Yeah, I think we did. Yeah, the connection. Like, yeah. yeah. Those homes are cool, too. Like, they're not as architecturally interesting, because I don't think people were really interested in architecture in the 1400s. Yeah, they're much more, I think, made in the vein of Beverly Hills housewife homes. Yes. Like, look at how much money I have. And basically, like, you should be intimidated when you walk into my house by how much money I have. But because they're so old, they are interesting. Yeah. It's the aesthetic of those houses is incredible like it's the it reminds me of sonia morgan's home Mm -hmm. because it's full of clutter yeah and uh like like fancy tchotchkes basically but these ones are like 500 years old yeah yeah the paintings that they have are like priceless because they're like often like one of a kinds from the masters Mm -hmm. and they're also just by virtue of how old they are i think you know what we didn't talk about Mm -hmm. in longleat his dad lives in the attic yeah and is the weirdest the weirdest, weirdest person, yeah. He, he dresses like a wizard. Yeah, yeah. He has or the like beard. a court jester or something yeah. like, yeah, like Harlequin kind of style. He's more the classic aristocrat because he's eccentric and he doesn't like hanging out with the common. Yeah, he commoners. like won't basically. Yeah, he basically just stays and he in just his attic has um like a rotating cast of girlfriends. That, like, come and visit him. Oh, that's right. Even though he's, like, 70, he's still, like, yeah. they, he can't, like, really fuck, but he still, like, hangs out with all these different women that come visit him. There's, like, this From beautiful, like, yeah. 70-year-old black woman that came to visit him. He and had she, some, like, good-looking 70-something Yeah, but it's age, just like, funny. Come visit. Yeah, and, and he has a room that he painted himself that was covered in graphic sex acts. That's right, yeah. (laughs) Like, he's so eccentric and rich that he thinks he's, like, dedicating himself to his art. Yeah. it's all these really childlike-looking drawings of dicks and Yeah, yeah, it's totally bad art. (laughs) (laughs) Covering the walls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, the entire room. Like, I forget, they let (laughs) someone stay in that room, and the person was just like, what the fuck is this? Like, yeah, yeah, it was so funny. Another interesting thing was the long, the main Longleat guy, not the dad, was marrying, like, a mixed-race girl. Yeah. Yeah, and that caused some conflict. It wasn't that big of a deal. I get. Ultimately. I guess, I mean, same Actually, thing as, like, Mar- Meghan Markle style, yeah. where it just, like, oh, that's true. it wasn't, didn't cause any conflict. I mean, the dad had a black girlfriend coming to visit him, so right. I don't think he gave a shit. Yeah. It was more just that the the press had, like, covered it a mm-hmm. little bit, like, oh, my God, how scandalous. Even though her, I think her dad... Uh, was like Nigerian and like incre like actually a Nigerian prince or okay. you know what I mean like incredibly wealthy. I don't know exactly yeah. what he was, but but the real interesting thing about coming in as an outsider is coming into this thing where you're like almost constantly on display and you have to play the role of aristocrat and give tours every day and go down to the village people and and act like you're basically the queen of this little area. That was the most interesting thing about her character was this sort of shock of. Yeah, she like she was pregnant and she gave birth during like the filming. Right. And um during that time they stayed in London uh it's like a little bit before right, her birth yeah. and then a little bit after in her old apartment. 
Her mom seemed cool. And her mom seemed cool and yeah. stuff. But yeah, they both talked beautiful. about they like... They had a beautiful apartment in London. Yeah. It was definitely expensive, but it wasn't massive. No, but it was very, very pretty. Yeah. But um, they talked about like, oh, it's such a relief to be here, basically, yeah. instead of in that massive house. Yeah. Because there's like no responsibility by contrast and you just live for yourself and, yeah. you know. At the same time, I never felt sorry for any of these people. No, no, you know? me either. I mean... Yeah. Not that I want to live like that, but like... I mean, yeah, no, the obvious answer here is socialize these homes, turn them into museums. Yeah. No one needs to live in a house like this, yeah. and no one can, apparently. Especially, oh, like the couple that we said, they're cool, we like them. Yeah. They're uh, they're cool in theory. They're not like... like college son and daughter, like flew home on a private helicopter, helicopter ride with, like, with their friends. Yeah. Like, still super fucking yeah, irritating. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, and at the worst, you're like working from home, you know? Like, it's like the worst thing. That's like the worst thing you can say well i think it's i mean i guess it's a bit like being a celebrity or something it's just weird because you have to like sell your person that's true you know or your personhood or your personality or whatever and i do think that is really draining i I think it's hard to deny that that's like anybody who has to do like customer service or anything where you have to spend a lot of time catering to people like it is emotional labor. It is real. It is very yeah. draining. Oh, that's true. And these rich people have to do it. Do emotional labor, yeah. yeah. Which is, I think, part of the reason why a lot of them are very uncomfortable with it because <laughs> I don't think they grew up having to no, do it. That's funny. So I mean, that's real. Like, but I don't. I feel, feel like bad you can tell them. the Longleat guy because of he's... how crazy his dad is. Did grow up having to do emotional yeah. labor. He has yeah. that. He's a bit more like feminine energy. Yeah. So interesting stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's clear how that connects to extraordinary homes. More or less. Is it? I don't know. If you ask me, we should just take all this shit from the rich and make it available to anybody who yeah, wants to Yeah, well, I guess that's the connection. Is like, <laughs> like you were saying, those rich old manors are just unsustainable without a system of cruelty. Yeah. And the extra- world's most extraordinary homes are... Are basically the modern diversion. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's just like when we were talking about couture gowns that, you know, take... I don't know, thousands of hours to mm-hmm. hand bead. It's like, if yeah. you can buy one of those, either you or your husband or your dad or someone did something evil, That's you don't right. end up with that much money that you yeah. can spend on just one dress or yeah. one house or whatever to, you know, you, you just don't end up that wealthy in capitalism without yeah, exploiting yeah. a fuck ton of that people. Capitalism lets you abstract that exploitation yeah. away from you. It like, it only, I guess it doesn't only alienate workers from the product, it alienates the rich from the oppression that they cause. Yeah, totally. Because it's not even confined, it's not confined to the immediate vicinity with these feudal peasants that you literally lord over. Yeah. It's not even confined to your country, it's international. But at the same time... I guess maybe that's why part of the neoliberal project was globalization. Cause constantly it, seeking new markets. Yeah. And that's why you said they need to get into North Korea. They need to yeah. start mining I, it. Yeah. Selling shit there, building shit there. Well, I mean, I've, that's what I was saying. I, we don't give a fuck that it's an authoritarian regime. No, like, it's better that way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We don't want worker rights. Yeah. Capitalists don't give a shit about your democracy or freedom or whatever. That's bad. That's bad yeah. for business. Like, they just want somewhere where they, yeah, they can basically expand production and then eventually over time expand to selling when we move production somewhere else (laughs) (laughs) when we make some other country poor enough that the wages go low enough that we can exploit their workers again the real problem though is they'll still want to overthrow kim jong-un because deng xiaoping liberalized economically china 
but China was still in control, so they still kept foreign investment out. Yeah. So they're still going to want to get rid of Kim Jong-un. Yeah, they were, like, really slow and careful about yeah. foreign investment. Kim Jong-un, I don't think people realize, he looks like he might be, like, a Deng Xiaoping, like, obviously studied in the West. He, he set up, like, these businesses in Pyongyang. Like, he started allowing people to have a lot more freedom to open businesses, and there's, like, a burgeoning upper class of North Korea, like, a burgeoning bourgeois class mm-hmm. that... A handful of people make enough money that they can go on vacation in Paris or whatever. And if you fly in, there are, like, luxury goods stores and stuff. Yeah, yeah I was yeah. going to mention that. Yeah, yeah, like dress stores and stuff like that. So but... he really might be looking to make the country a bit more communist with Chinese characteristics. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, but yeah, they'll still need to get rid of him if they want to seize control of the markets. It's not enough. Yeah, exactly. To, because capitalism doesn't really... It's not really about seeking efficiency or seeking the market, uh, you know, resolving all problems. It's actually about controlling it. And any government gets in the way of that, actually. It's best if you have a government, fascist government, that wants Mm -hmm. to give control to corporations rather than even a nominally, I mean, authoritarian, but nominally communist government that is interested in control for itself. Yeah. Anyway, we're rambling. This yeah. is why we don't have to prepare for podcasts. We'll end up. Yeah, talking. we'll never. Yeah, that's true. We'll never <laughs> run out of shit to say. Yeah, steal architecture from the rich. Yeah, wear glitter. Wear glitter. <laughs> Watch anime. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just for me, I guess. <laughs> I'm not wearing glitter, to be fair. You could be. Uh, I don't know if I could have a beard and glitter. Yeah, maybe. Why not? I mean, a little more of... androgynous, but yeah, why not? You want more feminine energy. I mean, there you go. Yeah. Although that can also be, like, masculine rock star energy. I that's think. true. I think if you're, like, bold enough to wear glitter. Oh, that's yeah. allowed. Texas trucks, man. That's just God. one person in a yeah, truck. Yeah, yeah. They just make them so loud. They must do something to them to make them this loud. It's probably one of those diesel trucks it's with six It's a massive tires. truck. It is, yeah. Yeah. People here spend sixty, seventy thousand on a truck. Yeah. You can go to a fucking museum. Yeah. You know? You're not a poor person and like don't act like you're a lower class person too good to be interested in a museum or fashion or something. You just spent eighty thousand on this fucking disgusting truck that gets ten miles. To yeah, the and what value does this truck bring to your life? I'm smelling it. Oh god, yeah. Ugh. That's terrible. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, anyway. We gotta go. We love you guys. Have a nice day. Drive safe. <laughs> I want to connect with our audience. I'm just going to say all the things All the things you say to me in the I morning. S- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, is it my turn or your turn to pick a song? I have one in mind. I actually thought about making it my recommendation. Okay, I guess Do you I have one pick. you really want to do? I think I do, and I think it's my turn, but there I think was... it's my turn. Is it? Okay, you can, you can, clearly you're excited about it, so you can do it. I want to recommend Good Trip by My Little Airport. Okay. That was good. good. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. That was one. Um, it's really cool. It's about uh, getting stoned and getting on the bus and driving around. Yeah, we'll play a song for you guys, but you should check out the oh, video because yeah. it has the subtitles. And, yeah, it's in Cantonese. Yeah, so. and you can then like actually understand what they're saying, yeah. and I think that... The music's good on its own. You don't need to understand the lyrics, but mm-hmm. when you do, it's it a, adds another layer, obviously. Yeah. It's a really good little story. It's good writing. Yeah. Um, if you like, like, Cassio Tone for The Painfully Alone, you'll like My Little Airport. Cool. Look yeah. up this video, That's especially true. because it's, like, a little story song. Yeah. Um, roll something up and hit it and then watch the video because, like I said, it's about getting stoned on a bus. Or go to Hong Kong 
and go to a really cool coffee shop and then oh no or were we at the uh brewery and then or the craft beer place that was next to the coffee shop what happened my little airport came on. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was I think like, I so saw cool. somebody joking online that every coffee shop in Hong Kong plays my little oh, airport. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was pretty cool for us. Yeah. Cool we were experience. lucky to go on vacation there once. That's yeah. part of the reason I like this song is because riding on the bus was one of the coolest things yeah. we did there. Yeah, <laughs> it was really fun. Yeah. We saw the biggest fucking hog I've I ever thought, seen. I thought I legitimately thought it might be a werewolf. We like, were, yeah. I it came out so fast. We didn't know what was happening, and we were sitting like right at the front of the bus. Which yeah. I guess I read recently that like Asian people don't do no, that. No, that's because... this song. That's the, oh, from this song. There you go. So just watch the video. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It was crazy. We we're in like the, just the edge of town. It was densely populated. The biggest fucking werewolf looking hog. Yeah. I legitimately felt like, oh my god, like werewolf in Paris, but (laughs) werewolf in Hong Kong, you know, because it's just, you're in a, like, city, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh shit. Yeah. Okay, we'll play that, but watch the video. Okay. Like, like she said, we love you. Drive Um, safe. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Have a nice day. Enjoy any other podcast you're listening to. Bye. Bye. Smoke to see how